now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And welcome aboard to the bat around on uh, PressBoxOnline.com. And you can also join us by going to Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. I'm Stan the Fan. And uh, despite an attempted coup by Craig Heist and Bonza Tufa, we I am almost back. had it they done. <laughs> almost had it done. But uh, able to squeeze a week in here. Uh, between all my uh, memorial services and life celebrations. Been a, a rough time uh, losing so many people near and dear to you, and uh, I appreciate you guys uh, keeping things uh, going so smoothly, and in some cases, from what I hear, much even much better than when I was here. Well, you know, the bottom line to this is, though, it, you know, if you're going to take time off, you, were, you would wish it was for other reasons. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, you know, it's been a tough time, no doubt, in your family. And uh, uh, well, hopefully pre- things get better in the next, you know. I appreciate you guys being here and knowing that the <clears throat> show is in such good hands. Uh, let's get to it this week. We've got uh, Rich Dubroff who's going to join us about 1020 this morning. Uh, Rich is uh, covering the Orioles where they're not making an awful lot of news uh, about 10.45, we're going to be joined by the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, Mr. Matt Slatus. We'll talk to him about some upcoming plans out there for the Ironbirds and what his off-season's like and find out how his plan, we interviewed him several times during the year uh, and starting with last December, uh, right when they came on board as a Sponsor again, we talked about the plan moving forward, how they were going to go from where they had had no sellouts to try and get between five and eight sellouts the first year. And I think they met that figure and see what, what they feel for, for next year. We're also going to have Mike Shallon on, a regular contributor to the show. He writes for the New, New Hampshire Union Leader, also Sports Exchange in Boston, and he's a Boston Red Sox official scorer. Uh, many of their games, kind of like the Jim Henneman of Boston, a little bit younger version of Jimmy, uh, but a uh, good group of guests, and we'll see if we can pull something out for the fourth set uh, of the program. If not, the three of us, Mr. Tufa, Mr. Heist, and I can talk a little bit of baseball. Uh, what are you laughing about, I just Mr. Saw, Tufa? No, no, it has nothing to do. Somebody's just saying. Okay. Somebody's playing games. No, me. somebody wrote on Facebook, I was taught to think before I act. So if I smack the garbage out of you, right. rest assured, I thought about it and I'm confident <laughs> in my decision. So, so I left my computer home today, okay, in, in terms of being totally transparent. Bonza, I went there and I, the video feed is not there. I'm trying to share it off of my phone. Well, I've done it here and I know Bonza's done it yeah, already. But so. the two of you, between the two of you, you might have about 200 friends. I have about 4,500 friends. Well, it's been done. Okay. Is, is that good? Thank well, you. I'll, I'll stick my friends list oh, up. Oh, you're saying I only, you say I only have like. 200? 
Two hundred. I, I don't know how many. Mm. And this is how many. This <laughs> is why. This is why the coup. Be, this is why funny. the coup was started a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, anyway, uh, it is shared now on my on my uh, page as well. Uh, we appreciate your tuning in, uh, both on Facebook Live and on the uh, just listening folks who join us each and every Saturday morning between 10 and 12. By the way, before we move on with things, we've made an executive decision that next week's program is going to be a best-of program, uh, which I know uh, the segments that you did by yourself will be a part of that. Okay. Uh, now, one of your interviews with Richard Justice, uh, Susan Waldman, um, Richie Bansells, yeah. Greg Olson, Casey Willett, and Nick Kennedy from the Million Dollar Arm. So Bonza will be here next Saturday, and uh, he'll be sort of broadcasting in between the uh, the breaks and everything and making sure everything runs smoothly because I'll be away uh, for Thanksgiving. But after that, I'm here for the seemingly for the duration. Okay, okay. good, because uh, next week— I'm sure next you're going to start to have some— some schedule. Yeah, uh, probably, and I, I probably should have one today. Right. Uh, because Georgetown plays at noon okay. today down at uh, Capital Arena. Who are they uh, You know what? I really don't know. Okay. Uh, but uh, I'd, I have to look at my schedule just to find out real quick. But uh, you, you're getting into a point in the season where you have noontime basketball games and things of that nature, and as this conference schedule gets closer, right. those would be the ones that I'd have to be at. All so. right, so we'll, we'll look forward uh, to, to those, and we'll get through the schedule this winter. Uh, and then before we know it, it'll be uh, baseball season 2018. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you weren't at the uh, Sports Boosters dinner the other night. Fred Manfro was honored. Sort of a farewell to Fred. Right, I heard about that. And uh, they also honored the Senator Frank Kelly and his wife Janet for all the charitable work that they do in this community. And it was really a nice evening. Uh, and it ended. It it was. It really wasn't one of those things where you felt like, God, when is this thing going to end? Mm-hmm. We were we were all out of there by ten of nine. Started at five thirty, uh, and it moved along very crisply. But I just thought I'd give you both one insight. Uh, Buck Showalter took the time to come into town, which was very nice because he's down in Dallas. I heard the line. The I heard the line about pitching. Okay, so, <laughs> so Buck, Show, Buck Showalter comes up to the stage to say his few words, and the president of Sports Boosters, good friend Gary Leonard, uh, is a bit of a can be a bit of a loudmouth, you know, in a funny way, and he goes, "The buck stops here," and everybody applauded, and he goes. Buck Showalter's at the podium, and he goes, let me tell you something. He goes, Buck stops here. Buck may be may, – may, the Buck may – unless we get some pitching, the Buck <laughs> may, be, may, be, may not be stopping here too much longer. That's right. Uh, which was a great line. And, wow, he's uh, able to, he was able to joke about that, which is kind of well, nice. You, you, what are you going to say? You know, we got it handled. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got it, you know, and, uh, you know, Mike Buck, Wright and, Buck's a, Buck doesn't necessarily tell you everything that's going on. Uh, but he's a realist. He's a realist, <laughs> and he's got a sense of humor about it. Absolutely. And, and clearly, look, we know the fa- the facts of life are that he and Dan don't get along as smoothly as you'd like. Right. You know, but the bottom line is we know Dan Duquette, in whatever way, shape, or form, is trying to work within the guidelines he's got budget budgetarily and mentally. Uh, whatever he can do to try and improve the starting pitching you can be assured he's going to try this offseason. We, and you know, we, we're around Buck quite a, quite a bit, pre-game, post-game, that kind of thing. 
Uh, I remember him coming into town with the Yankees. Yeah. And the difference between him now and back then mm-hmm. is he, back then. He has a sense of humor now. He's got a sense of humor. He can be a little more open with the media. Back then, he was wound just about as tight as you could get in terms of he wasn't going to tell you anything. Right. And that had a lot to do with who he was working for at sure. the time, Mr. Steinbrenner. And had a lot to and, do with his age. He yeah. was in his mid-30s to late-30s. You know, he's, right. he's a much more but grown make, and established. But make no mistake about it, Buck Showalter was, and, and this takes absolutely nothing away from another guy I think very highly of, and that's Joe Torrey. Right. But Buck Showalter was one of the reasons why Joe Torrey was as successful with those Yankee teams as as he was because Buck laid the groundwork for no a lot of that. It. No question about it. No question about it. Um, Buck Showalter, though, a realist. Um, what are you – and we're going to be talking to Rich Dubroff in 10 or 12 minutes. But from, from what you gather, are you sensing the Orioles are moving in any direction right now with pitching? I mean, like uh, – it clearly well, they've had the, some discussions with Vargas's people. I, I would think Vargas is one, you know, and and uh, you know you got to kick the tires and see what's uh, gonna it's gonna take to get Cobb here if you know that happens. Uh, but certainly, I, I think they'll do what they need to do. There, as, as Mike Rizzo likes to say, we'll do our due diligence. You know, right. uh, I, I think the Orioles will try to do that. And and but again, it comes down to what you're saying is Dan has to work within the parameters of what he's given. Right. What that means in terms of money, in terms of whether they acquire uh, whether they acquire pitching via free agency, via trade. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, Vargas's name is certainly out there. Uh, there's a couple other people I'd like to I'm see them take a the, run at. I'm going to throw out the name again. You're looking at Vargas, tops two years, and the Orioles would probably like to get him on a one-year deal. But if you're talking one year, I still think R.A. Dickey makes an awful lot of sense, and there's a relationship there with Buck Showalter. He also is a change-of-pace guy. And the other thing I like about him is at his age, I'm not so sure that, and I remember when Rick Sutcliffe was signed, mm-hmm. uh, that Rick didn't help Mike Mussina and Ben McDonald sort of grow into being really full-fledged starting pitchers. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that that shouldn't be a consideration, that maybe an R.A. Dickey at 40 years old could help Dylan Bundy and um, Kevin, Kevin Gosman gain some consistency that might be lacking right now. Right, and just, you know, the the other part about that is to... As well as eat 190 innings uh, at least. Right, exactly, and that's the biggest thing for me as far as bringing an R.A. Dickey in here is you know you're going to get a whole bunch of innings pitched. And, uh, you, know, you know, the only, the only downside negative, and I've seen R.A. in the National League with mm-hmm. the Mets, and, you know, I, I, my, my thing is the knuckleball is very fickle. It, sometimes there are days where the opponent cannot even touch, touch it. it, and then there's there, other days where the it, catcher uh, can't it, touch it. it, where the catcher can't touch it, and then there are other days where the hitters catch up yeah, to it. The yeah. knuckle knuckler no, is not, not knuckling, knuckling, if you will, and you know it gets hit all over the yard. This is not a good ballpark for that to be happening in. 
but again, you're talking about, you know, if, if he's got anything left, it's worth taking a flyer. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, the, the interesting – and one of the things I like about it, again, you're not talking – it's not like a $15, $16 million deal. You're probably talking somewhere in the 6 to $8 million range or, or maybe $8.5 million range. I think he's acquirable. I think he's. Uh, I think he makes some sense. And the one thing I like is I do think he has an interesting track record at Camden Yards, as does Alex Cobb, uh, who is my personal number one choice given the Orioles' parameters. But I think Cobb is. It's a fait accompli to me that he's going to end up back with Joe Madden and Jim Hickey out in Chicago. Yeah, it could very Cubs. well be with that, and that's a, obviously a good fit for him. Andrew Kashner's name yep. has been somebody else that the Orioles have uh, been attached, uh, been attached to, a to a little bit, and uh, I know Rich wrote about that, so we'll ask him about that. Uh, you know, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah I, I just want to ask, now I know you don't really trust having long-term contracts with pitchers, but you're just talking. Well, when you say you don't, I mean the Orioles historically <laughs> don't. I right. like. Do you, if do I, you trust long-time I, contracts for pitchers? I think it's part of doing business. I mean, you know, when when the drop-off is Jake Arrieta at a four or five-year contract. Now mm-hmm. we're talking about Vargas and R.A. Dickey. I get the risk. I just think it's an expensive risk, and you try and back it up with insurance. You know, you go to Lloyd's of London, and I know those things don't – it's not like they don't cost anything. Uh, They're expensive, too, the policies. Well, and think about Albert Bell. I mean, granted, he was an outfielder, but uh, not a pitcher. But, I mean, where were the Orioles have been with that deal without the insurance insurance, on Albert Albert Bell? But where I'm going with this is you talk one-year, two-year contracts, and you want consistency in a pitching staff. So does that mean you want to sign someone to a longer contract, maybe three or four years? I know what happened with Ubaldo when the Orioles gave that four-year contract. It didn't work out at all. The problem is that the price range and the length of contract area that they like to fish in, to me, Craig, using Hillary Clinton's term, you sometimes have a basket of deplorables. Well, you know, know, and what difference does it make? I mean, there's a huge difference between – the Arietta world uh-huh. and the world of Jason Vargas and R.A. Dickey is that the upside is not as great. But, yes, you can capture, if you're smart, you can capture, maybe you get R.A. Dickey on a one-year deal for $8 million and you get the good R.A. Dickey and he's 14-10 and 10 and he eats up 195 innings and you go, hey, that was a good one. And then you hope with all of these guys that what you're doing is buying time until the Hunter Harvey comes along, till Lucas Long is ready, you know, that you start to filter in more of your own young pitching, which is really the bridge against paying the, the huge salaries is you've got to have a mix of all of them. Yeah, know? and uh, again, it, it, it boils down to being smart. It boils down to who you think talent-wise has what it takes to be able to help your ball club, and all these things will be decided – quite frankly, over the next month or so. And, and that doesn't mean that after the winter meetings, things aren't going to happen because they are. But, you know, the bottom line is you're laying the groundwork first at the, at the GM meetings and then at the winter meetings, uh, you know, for, for trying to improve your ball club. And we'll just see which way the Orioles go with it. You know, to me, there's a little bit more pressure on the Orioles this year to do some things more pr- uh, proactively. And I know you can't force it. 
But like an R.A. Dickey thing, I'm not saying all of a sudden everybody's going to be jumping up and buying season tickets. But I think in the past, in Dan Duquette's tenure here, things had been ascending attendance-wise right. up until Freddie Gray and and the, the subsequent whatever's happened since then where things have taken a nosedive. I don't think they can wait till February and March to be picking picking the last vestiges. They have to do one or two things that might excite and re-engage some of these baseball fans right. here and in that, Baltimore. And that's going to have to happen at the winter meeting. And that's where I think the name of Zach Britton comes in. Again, t- trust me, if we're going to try and make a, an attempt to win the World Series this year, I would love nothing more than to have Zach Britton come back, be healthy, and save 45 games and, and be what he was two years ago, or 85% of that. But he's also, let's be realistic, he's got one year left on his contract. He's probably going to get $13 million uh, in arbitration, something in that range. And there are teams like the Dodgers, the Cubs, and the Astros who are still looking to refine how good they are and be even tougher to beat next year. And one of those teams might give you a young pitcher that's controllable for a couple years that fits in. Like, for example, the Astros. I can't tell you that they'd give us Joe Musgrove for Zach Britton, but i got to be thinking about that. If I could get, like, another Kevin Gausman-esque starter that's got two or three years left of control, I'm interested in that for Zach Britton. But what if you're from the Astros' standpoint— Because of what happened at the deadline last year, how much of that is a, is, a, is a fit? Can you go down there and ask them again about this? I think you can go down there and ask them, but I think what's complicated it now a little bit is Zach Britton. I don't – now, maybe you'll tell me, Stan, a lot of teams knew about his knee issue in July last year. I didn't know that he had a knee problem mm-hmm. that apparently was percolating – uh, so maybe the Astros are no longer that interested. But I'm telling you, if I'm the Dodgers or the Cubs trying to get back to win the World Series, I'm sure as hell looking at... at, at well, at, I, I certainly think you look at Zach Britton, yeah. and yes, the knee was an issue uh, coming down the stretch last year, and, and he, he fought through it yeah. and pitched through it. But you think back to that World Series... And how much did A.J. Hinch really trust the back-end guys on that bullpen? He no. didn't. No. So Zach so, Britton, so Zach is Britton a makes, fit there. makes perfectly good sense down there. Yeah. 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 And, I, again, to me, if you're talking about somebody who hasn't attained stardom yet uh, and you're talking about one year of control for Zach Britton, that, to me, is a, an interesting trade. I mean, yeah, uh, looking at it in, in June and July – I th- sort of thought we would want three prospects for Zach Britton. But now there's a little bit more of an injury question, and there's also less time control, and the Astros have already won one World Series. Right. We're joined now by Rich Dubroff uh, of PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Rich, uh, how are you? I'm great, Stan. How are you? All right. I've got Craig Heist here as well, and we're kicking around some of the topics we plan to talk to you about, and most notably uh, was news over the last two weeks that the club is is somewhat, and again, I take this with a grain of salt because it comes across MLBTradeRumors.com. We all use that site a great deal, and they want clicks, and those clicks are a lot of times by headlines, 
but the news was that the Orioles are at least willing to listen on Zach Britton now. Um, how much credence do you give that story? Some. I give it some. I would think that they would have to be bowled over uh, right now for uh, to, to deal Zach Britton. Uh, and I think that I think things could I think things could change if the Orioles are able to sign two uh, two pretty good free agent pitchers in the next couple of months. Then I think the urgency to trade Britain is much less. But if they're if they're unable to, and they you know they only sign one, or they're really not happy with what they've gotten, and they don't like what's out there. Then I think they could look to, to trade him to try and get uh, at least one major league ready starter. Uh, I don't know what the uh, you know what the market is for him with the uh, you know with the knee uh, concerns as, as well as uh, his uh, his forearm injury that uh, kept him out uh, much of the first half of uh, 2017. But one thing the Orioles have going for them is the time factor. Uh, you know, they had to make a, a very quick decision on whether they were going to accept uh, the Astros' offer in uh, in July. And now that, uh, you know, now that the, the time urgency is not there, so they can really, you know, scope out the market. Uh, so I, I would say, I would say if he were to be traded, it wouldn't be anytime very soon. This uh, offseason is, is so much to me as interesting as any for this club because of what you have uh, when you think about a Britain, when you think about Machado and Adam Jones, all of these guys along with Brad Brock up after next year. I mean, I, I'm thinking Brad Brock could be one of the guys that, that really draws a lot of interest at these winter meetings coming up. Uh, but you not only have those guys when you're looking forward and, and in not not just into this year, but the following couple of years, you know, you're looking at Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter after 2018 and what might happen with them. So while there's a lot of uncertainty, this club does have some options, if you will, uh, trying to improve the club for this coming year. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Craig, that you mentioned Brad Brock, but I, I think his market is a little down from where it was last year because, you know, he – you know, when he stepped in for Zach Britton, he had, uh, I think, five blown saves. Right. And, you know, his save percentage wasn't as high. His ERA uh, was up. He still had a, a, a pretty good season, but it wasn't the all-star season that he had in uh, in 2016. So I, I think Brock, it, I don't know that they could get a, uh, a major league ready starter for him. I think you you would only trade Brock if you, you know, if you saw, uh, you know, a definite major league ready player in return. Uh, if you're trading them for prospects, well, that sort of uh, that, that sort of goes against, I think, what they're doing. Of course, if they don't start the season out well, they can, you know, certainly trade Brock Machado and Britton, though though they couldn't trade Adam Jones without his consent, uh, and, and see what. Uh, you know, and, and then sort of uh, start over. Well, but I don't think, uh, you know, I, I don't think they're in that mode at all right now. Well, as we sit here right now, Duquette has already said that, you know, Britain and, and Machado, basically, you know, they're not 
available at this point. And then that's just new and, news and came out 10 days right, ago that, this, that Britain they're willing to listen on. On listen on. Now, having said that, uh, if you're if you're the Orioles, you you you're trying to you know you're trying to listen for as you say deals that will bowl you over. Certainly that has to be the the case for Machado, uh, but I I'm, I'm, I'm fearful I'm fearful that Machado hangs around a whole year and that the Orioles don't get anything for him. Well, what they get for what they get is a world class third baseman for another year. Yeah, and um, but the the point is, if you trade, if you're going to trade Machado, then that signals that you know we're in a rebuild, you know we're in a rebuild or a retool mode, and I don't see that. I just don't see that happening right now. I don't see Britain it happening. I'm not saying case because Britain's a different case because they have you know Brock and they have Darren O'Day and they have Michael Gibbons. Uh, who could all possibly be the closer for 2018? Well, I'm with you. So, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. But I'm not saying that's the smartest way to go. Yeah, um, but it would just be. It, it just seems. It would. It would just seem. Seem like well, they need a total change in philosophy. So, so if let, they were gonna, if they're gonna do that, Rich, let me let me aim at a different direction here uh, at Zach Britton's knee. Uh, we knew there were forearm issues last year that uh, plagued him during spring training and, and bit him very early, and he was out for six or seven weeks. Uh, but the knee problem, I knew nothing about. Were you aware of that until the very, toward the September, when it, when it, so suddenly he was apparently wearing a knee brace and there were issues no. with that? No, I wasn't. You know, and as he said, you know, he was out for, you know, he was out actually for uh, more than two months. Yeah. Basically, to, uh, with the uh, uh, you know with the for with the forearm issue, uh, and then missed you know he only was at, he was only active for a couple of weeks right of uh, uh, you know before the uh, before the All Star break. But no, the knee the knee issue came as a uh, came as a surprise. So the combination I, I know, the combination of how much he makes and how much he will make. The the uh, the controllability factor, which is just one more season, and the knee now, that to me, I, I don't know that the Orioles are going to get close to bowled over for Zach Britton, but yet I still think he makes a lot of sense for teams like the Dodgers, Cubs, and Astros, the teams that are closest to sure. to winning. Sure, and uh, if they have a major league, if they have a major league ready starter to give to the Orioles, then that, you know, that could make sense, but otherwise it doesn't. Interesting. Uh, in, in terms of what was coming out of the GM meetings, and now a lot of times, you know, what happens there sets the kind of sets the table for discussions at the winter meetings going forward. Uh, what can you take out of this? Uh, past week that will give you any indication of just how busy this team will be uh, when the winter meetings begin in Orlando. Well, Craig, uh, you know, as you, you know, as you know, the uh, the the off season for all teams seems to have gotten off to a real slow start. I mean, yeah. I think I've seen more action in an Andy Warhol movie <laughs> than, uh, than than we've seen so far. But uh, you know, if you Orioles, if you use that line when you're on with Bruce later today, 
going to know it. You know, we're going to know it, and I would suggest that you do it, too. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, uh, uh, you, know, I, you know, actually, you know, I realize, you know, there are so few people, there's so, there so many, you know, younger people who listen who probably have no idea who Andy Warhol was. That's yeah, exactly, exactly what I meant, too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, uh, you know, the Orioles traditionally have not made a lot of news under, under Dan Duquette. Uh, at the winter meetings, uh, you know, in, in the years that he's been uh, running the show, they've only made one trade, and that was a minor one in his first winter meetings in 2011, getting Dana Evelyn, who who barely made an impact on the team. Right. Uh, they've never signed anybody, though they did, uh, you know, th- though they have reached agreements uh, over the years with. Uh, Nate McLeod and Darren O'Day during the winter meetings, but it was never, uh, uh, but but they weren't made official then. And so, other than uh, other than drafting at the uh, you know drafting during the Rule Five draft, they it's always been a lot of talk with the Orioles. But, but oftentimes they've uh, they, they've worked right after the winter meetings. I mean, they uh, you know had moved on from uh, Matt Weir's. Uh, you know, after, uh, before last year's winter meetings, and then Wellington Castillo was signed not long afterward. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it looks like it's going to be interesting to see if this week, you know, before Thanksgiving, there's going to be, you know, there, there's going to be stuff in baseball. And, and Duquette is not somebody who is known to set the market. Uh, he's always let the market come to him, and right now there's no market. So in, until teams start signing people, you know, uh, you know the, the starting pitchers that the Orioles are interested, like Lance Lynn or, or Alex Cobb, uh, they'd like to see what the market is for them. I mean, people can ask whatever they want, uh, but, you know, but who knows, uh, you know, what kind of money clubs are willing to spend right now. We're talking, we're talking with uh, Rich Dubroff right now of PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Uh huh. Go ahead. Okay, hold on. Take care of that. <laughs> Take care of that, my friend. Oh boy, I thought for sure it was coming out of your no, computer. No, because I'm, I'm muted. Thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we're talking with Rich Dubrov. <laughs> you should be, <laughs> and I should be. We're talking to Rich Dubrov, PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com. Rich, um, you know some of the the names we've we've heard are Vargas. Uh, we've also heard Alex Cobb. Let's go with a couple names that we haven't heard uh, all that much about, and I'm talking about Tyler Chatwood, the the kid that pitches in J- that has pitched in Japan for three years, Miles Mikolas, and uh, maybe Julius uh, Shashin, if that's how you pronounce it, Yulis, Yulis Shashin, uh, who pitched for the Padres. Well, he was a you know he you know he he had a, a relative who uh, was part of a big. Uh, Scandal, I think, in 1919. Remember, uh, Julius uh, Joe Jackson and the Black Sox scandal. Yeah, use that one on Bruce with Bruce. Yeah, that's today. right. That's yeah. another that's one you can use. One. That's a good one to use with Bruce. Uh, but, you know, Shashin is somebody that the the Orioles have uh, kicked the tires on. Right. In the pa- he's a, in the past, uh, some of these guys, you know, like we talked about Andrew Kashner too, and and that's somebody who's been linked with the Orioles. In the past, but Chatwood is Chatwood's an interesting one because you know he's 
he pitches very, very well outside of Coors Field. Right. And uh, overall, the record is not impressive. But you know, the Orioles uh, are you know the Orioles are very careful to look at at ballpark differentials. They did that with Tim Beckham because Tim Beckham had really good stats outside Tropicana Field and didn't do well uh, at Tampa Bay. And, you know, they snatched him away, and he went and he had a really good month. Uh, and, uh, you know, the other name you mentioned, uh, who we, you know, I wrote about uh, earlier this week, Miles Mikolas. Yeah. Well, he's, nobody knows anything about yeah. him, really. You know, this is sort of, he, and I was trying to find out who his agent is, because he must have a really good agent, uh, because he's gotten his way onto, you know, onto a lot of prospects, you know, a lot yeah. of top free agent lists uh, for the offseason. So, Nicholas, you know, Nicholas is a real unknown. The Orioles signed somebody uh, like that uh, in 2016, Logan Andrusik. Right. Yeah. Logan Andrusik had been, uh, you know, had had more success than Nicholas. At the major in, league uh, level, yeah. In the major league levels. Did really well in Japan. And then wanted to come back to the U.S. and the Orioles signed him, and he he didn't pitch well, and then uh, hurt himself last year and was released. Uh, so you know they're you know they're okay and they can try and do that, uh, but who knows what the guys you know what the guys' market's going to be uh, when he pitched in the U.S. Uh, for San Diego and Texas. He did not have a good record. And, Correct, uh, but but that but, but he, that rings true to sort of you could look at Colby Lewis who who became a pretty solid major league pitcher for about five years that he he had a similar pattern to his career. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and it's you know it used to be that players uh, players maybe in their early thirties went over to Japan sort of extend their career, make some more uh, make some more money. Right now, it, it's people uh, oftentimes who who haven't done well, who are, you know, maybe in their 20s and use it to set their market. I mean, there was this other guy, uh, Eric Thames, who yep. he, was, he wasn't even a good player for the Orioles AAA Farm Club in Norfolk. And he went from Norfolk to South Korea, and he tore up the Korean League for three years and, and came back and, and did very, very well, had a, a good free agent on signed a really good contract with Milwaukee and had a, a terrific start and a pretty good year for the Brewers in 2017. Rich, an entirely different case is uh, the case of Shohai Otani, who you wrote about this week. And I think there's been some misinformation. We don't have to point to who's been putting it out there. But I, I think your explanation really helped fans understand, and maybe some people that are listening today or watching on Facebook didn't read that, uh, there's something very different about him that is far different from the days when the Red Sox paid that huge posting fee for Daisuke uh, Matsusaka uh, about 12 years ago. Uh, could you talk a little bit about why it's so different with Shohei Otani? Well, first of all, he's only 23. Right. And there is a hard cap now on players who are under 25 trying to to come to the U.S. from, uh, uh, inter, you know, internationally. Uh, and the Players Association and MLB are negotiating a new posting fee, a new posting system right now, because as of now, 
uh, Otani's club, the Nippon Ham Fighters, right. who's agreed to let him go, would get uh, $20 million from a team who wants to sign uh, Otani. Uh, that may actually change now because they're negotiating, uh, because the players have argued, why should the Nippon Ham Fighters get $20 million and Otani uh, be restricted to a, a relatively low uh, bonus? Uh, the club that has the most money, uh, you know, is Texas, and they have about three point five million to sign him. But clubs have between ten thousand dollars. Like Colorado and the Cleveland Indians have only ten thousand dollars in their international, international signing bonus money. pool money remaining, and then Texas has as much as three and a half million. How, how so much the do Orioles the Orioles have, have right now? The Orioles have six hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Okay, uh, they have. Uh, you know, so let me interrupt for one. It. Let me interrupt for one second. I just want to be clear. So, so the notion I, I want to like check the boxes off on Otani so people understand. So the Yankees just can't come in and say, "Hey, we're going to pay the posting fee, whatever that is, and we want him for five years at fifteen million dollars a year." That's not going to happen. No, no, he can only sign a minor league contract, not okay. a major league contract. A minor league contract, and he and he can only be property of that team for two years, and then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So, any team that wants to sign him can, you know, pay what they have in their in their international signing bonus uh, pool. Okay. And the Yankees actually have a couple of million. The Yankees have a, a fair amount of money, a couple of million. Right. But the Dodgers, a team that uh, he's been linked with only have $300,000 that they can offer him. But the bonus is not going to, the bonus is not really going to matter, most people think, for right. Otani. He's going to pick a team he, based on, you know, location, uh, uh, you know, personal comfort, competitiveness. So, you know, the, the Cincinnati Reds have basically the same kind of chance to sign him uh, as the Orioles or Seattle or the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Dodgers and or the it, Rangers. And it was just interesting, though, to watch the, the Seattle Mariners made a, what seemed like a small trade, but they picked up another quarter of a million dollars in international signing money from the Chicago White Sox right. the other day. But st- yeah, but still. They're still at $2 million. They're in the $2 million range now. I yeah, think. I don't know that that, that kind of money is going to make a deal because Otani would – would would make more money off the field mm-hmm. uh, in a market, let's say, like Seattle, that has a yeah. you know a large Japanese uh, influence, or New York, or Los Angeles. You know, let, for all the jokes about the Orioles trading away um, most of their international signing bonus pool money, Baltimore has a negligible Japanese pop, uh, population. You know. While, you know, he could say, oh, yeah, I love Cal Ripken as a boy because he read a book about yeah. Cal Ripken. Yeah. There, there's nothing there's nothing with the Orioles to suggest that they would have anything that really interested him. Certainly not in Essex or Dundalk. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, no, I, I, uh, I think you would know more about that than I would. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Rich, we really appreciate your being on with us. Uh, I know you're planning to go down to the winter baseball meetings to cover things for PressBox at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Uh, we appreciate it uh, once again spending some time with us. All right. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All righty. There you have it. Rich Dubroff. A lot of smoke, but you can't tell which way the fire is going to blow. You, yeah, you, you just can't tell which way uh, the smoke is blowing, and you won't know until you get down there to see. Now, the one thing that did happen yesterday, <clears throat> pardon me, is that uh, the Giants have made an initial offer in terms of John Carlos Stanton. You mean a trade-off? Trade-off, okay. right. Do we know what that we, is? We don't know what it is, but they've, but they've made a formal offer, and the Cardinals and the Red Sox were to very soon make their own proposals. Right. So where that leads, we still don't know and probably won't know until we, we get talking about things in Orlando. You know, it's funny you mentioned John Carlos Stanton getting an offer possibly from Boston. I feel like he would not like playing there because all of his home runs are laser beams that would not get over the green monster. Uh, I, I totally disagree with that. <laughs> I totally disagree with that. I think he will hit his fair share of home runs at Fenway Park. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because you can make a case – the Cardinals, while they're sort of an outsider in this, one of the reasons I think that they are such a great organization is that they, do, when appropriate, they come up with the goods to both pay for somebody. They did it with Matt Holiday mm -hmm. and got five or six really solid years out of Matt Holiday. This strikes me as them saying, you know what? This is Matt Holiday eight, nine years later. He, this is what the market will pay for him. They'll get that down from twenty nine million to about twenty four million, and they'll get and they'll go. You know, let let's pull the trigger on that. right, and it'll also cost them uh, uh, two or three pitchers. two or three pitchers, prospects in in that regard. Yep. Uh, but the other thing with the Giants to consider, and why yep. that that seems to be a real good play here, is that their need for corner outfielders it's extreme it's extreme yeah. because yeah. they were. God awful last year. Terrible. And uh, they were terrible in center field right. too. And 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 that will serve a big, big purpose uh, for for the Giants because mm -hmm. you know Bruce Bochy doesn't want to go through another year like he went through yeah. this past season. That had to kill him for as much success as he has had as a major league manager. No question about it. All right. Uh, we're gonna continue with Matt Slatus of the Aberdeen Ironbirds in a minute. But first I've got to tell you about Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A on Sundays? With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all of your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays. Perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. But this is a Saturday show, and we're letting you know that if you have that in mind for tomorrow, like you want to get a Chick-fil-A reheatable chilled nugget tray, you got to get it today because there's not a... Chick-fil-A in town or in the world that's open on Sundays. So check it out. Chick-fil-A on Sundays, you got to act by Saturday. That new ballpark that they're building or that they've built already down in Atlanta for the Falcons, yeah. they have Chick-fil-A oh, in, 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 in that, in that yeah, but ballpark. They're reheating, but they're but reheating because they're, they're always closed on Sundays. They actually may get the Falcons ball uh, Saturday game. Exactly. Too. All right. Anyway, we're going to continue with more of the bat around in just a couple minutes. 
What we do with our lives defines us. So consider a path that gives you an array of opportunities for your future. The U.S. Army gives you skills and experiences that make you a well-rounded person. With many ways to serve that align with your goals, you'll become a stronger individual. Find out more at GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.goarmy.com slash football. There's strong, then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. The latest edition of Press Box is now available. On the cover, Bo Smoka dives into the relationship between Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco and head coach John Harbaugh, now in their 10th season of working together. Plus, her in-depth college basketball preview looks at all of the Division I men's and women's teams in Maryland. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Parexcel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit GiveTheGoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's GiveTheGoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on Pressbox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game... Glenn is joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can cater your holiday party, and now you can order the catering trays and delivery online. Go to Chick-fil-A.com and select Nottingham Square as your store and place your order. Did you know that Chick-fil-A offers the Grilled Chicken Bundle, a catering tray where everyone can build their own grilled chicken sandwich? Plus, Chick-fil-A offers chicken nugget catering trays with up to 200 nuggets per tray and chicken strip trays with up to 75 chicken strips. Call Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. You can pick it up or he'll bring it to you. That's 410-931-0031. Oh, we are back on the bat around, and we'll make our connection with uh, Matt Slatus in just a moment, uh, general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, who's been kind enough to join us today. We've got to uh, find out what night crab night is this year. That's, that would be the first thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, you were telling me a little bit about an article that Mike Lupica of the New York Daily News. Is he yeah, still at the Daily uh, News? No, this was... Uh, or ESPN. No, not ESPN. Let's see. Where is it from? It's called Sports on Earth. Uh... And any any more you never know in terms right. of right. John Heyman, who people turns are writing around. for now. John yeah. Heyman turns around every week. And I know, and, and and Kenny Rosenthal, right. my good buddy, says you know he's writing for the Athletic now. Right. So uh, you know we'll see. Uh, but Lupica has a, a, a column up uh, online, and it's basically on Mike Messina. It says Mike Messina belongs in the Hall of Fame. And he goes down the list, all the accomplishments and, and things that we've all often said on this show. Right. Uh, you know, the, 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 the total record of 270 wins, 153 losses. He won 18 three times, 19 twice, and finally won 20 in 08. And Lupica says, and then he, then he did a mic drop, no pun intended, <laughs> after that. And, and he, he's got some quotes from Buck Showalter in here who makes a – a very interesting point and a very good point. And anybody who's ever run across Mike Messina knows this. And, you know, he says he would never have stuck around to go 9 and 10 for a few more paychecks and right. things of that nature. He says that's just not. Or a few more numbers. Like <laughs> exactly. He says the that's just total. not who he is. Yeah. And even after he got to 270 after that 08 season, which turned out to be his last one, uh, he he told everybody. He said, you know, if I if I wanted to get to three hundred, yeah, it would I have to it. it would have to take me another three years at the bare minimum, right? Because he didn't think he could win fifteen twice in right. a row, right? That kind. And, and but I, I mean, with the way made, he was pitching, I think he made the I think he made the right estimation for everything that he would have had to gone through and what his priorities are in his life. He's a different bird. Yeah, and and he he wrote and uh, he quoted Buck Showalter in this. He says, think about it. He says, in that division, those ballparks, DHs, thinking that maybe every other hitter that he sees is on steroids. Yeah. He says, are you kidding me? He says, and that was from a guy who only managed against Messina. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I think it's a disgrace that he's not in already, and I don't think he's going to get in this year, but I think he deserves it. Well, thought the, he, thought the, he was a first ballot. The percentage was in the mid-40s last year, right. I think, so... I'm hoping that he's up around 60 this time around. Yeah. At least he's trending in the right direction. Yeah. Joining us right now is Matt Slatus, general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. And, Matt, uh, I know you don't have a lot of skin in that game, but you're a big baseball fan. Mike Musina, Hall of Famer or not? You know, as a guy who grew up uh, at least the later part of my early years in New York City, I had a, a, the privilege of watching the Moose throw for years and years and um, without a doubt, Hall of Famer in my mind. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you something. I I only rooted for the Yankees uh, once every fifth day, yeah, right? When and that's the play. only the only time I can ever uh, admit to that uh, in and, your life. And, and in my life, and I will tell you that uh, maybe his first year with the Yankees in '01 uh, was the most disappointing because. Uh, in the chase for the ring, right? And, you know, it's a Luis Gonzalez broken bat bloop over Jeter's head off Mariano Rivera that cost him that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll never say I rooted for the Yankees, but I did grow up watching them. All right. <laughs> Matt joining us. Matt, I've gotten to know you over the last probably year and three months, year and four months, and uh, we started to have you on the show a little bit to continue our relationship uh, back last year. And I remember the first time we sat down, you were talking to me about the plan for the Aberdeen Ironbirds 
it wasn't like overnight we're going to suddenly get, you know, 30 sellouts. Uh, right. It was more like, hey, let's get back to the point where we can get f- at least five sellouts. Uh, how did that all work out? Did, did Matt Slatus' game plan work out this past year? Well, it worked out about as well as it could have. Um, yeah. The club ended up selling out two games in 2017, which was two more games than they had sold out in the entire 24-month period prior. Um, the thing I can't control, one of the things I yeah. can't control is probably what hurt us the most last year, and that was Mother Nature. So the, the Ironbirds actually rained out about 20% of our games. Five games were rained out wow. uh, all on weekends. So. That part was a little bit unfortunate, but I'll tell you that the excitement was back in Hartford County. The excitement was back in Baltimore and in Maryland, and it was a lot of fun this first year here. You got to get friendlier with people like Marty Bass and Tony Pagnotti. You yeah. got to get friendlier with the weather people. That's exactly who I need to be friends with. Well, I'll tell you that in 17 years of baseball, I've never had as much rain as I had in 2017, and I can't imagine we'll see it again in 18. What does that do? You know, it, it's, it, it clearly affects people's decision-making. Forget the nights that you rain out. It's really the nights that it's overcast and you're not even sure what to do. Uh, I'll bet that that's just incalculable what you lose. Well, it is, and you know what you really lose is is the family who decides at three o'clock, hey, we're going to go see a baseball game tonight. So, you know, that's why for me, I'm such a big fan of the five game mini plans that we offer because fans can commit to the summer, they can set their schedule up, and it's still, you know, if they have five games on the schedule for the season, it comes out to roughly one game every three weeks. It lets them plan ahead, and it takes the uh, the need to make that quick, spontaneous decision out of everybody's hands. Do those plans also include something with the weather? In other words, if you call up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and say, hey, I've got a five-game plan, uh, but I don't want to come in this weather tonight, uh, are you flexible with them, or once they own them, those are the five games? No, we're very flexible. So any of our plan buyers, actually, um, you can exchange your ticket to any other game. If you do it prior to the game, you can just do an even exchange. If it's Saturday night and you want to come out Tuesday, just swap it out. And you can actually do that right from the comfort of your home on your computer or now even from your mobile phone. So it's incredibly flexible. It's almost like you have a voucher for, for any game when you think about it. All right, let's get the number one question out of the way right now. When is crab night this year? Oh, man, you know, you can come out to the ballpark and have crabs whenever you want. <laughs> you can want. have crabs every I, night. Yeah. I know, but I mean. Well, when are they going to change? You're changing the name this year? Is it? Are you changing the name this year? We are. So we, August 24th, <laughs> and this is the first time I'm sharing that date with anybody, we're, we're going to bring back the Aberdeen Steam Crabs. So breaking news right here on the Batarang. There we go. We'll be there. Breaking news. Batarang exclusive. Back for one night only in Aberdeen. Um and I'll let you in on a little secret. I can't fully tell you what it is, but July 27th through 29th, there's going to be a full series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where the team's going to play as something else as well. But you got to stay tuned for that one. Interesting. Interesting. We've got two name changes in 18. Matt, you're partially answering my question. You know, in Baltimore, uh, when, when the Orioles want to try and increase attendance and interest in the team, it's sort of the number one thing. They can sign a player they already own to a long-term contract that gets people excited. They can try and make a big trade, or they can sign free agents. You don't have that ability to change the perception of the product on the field. How much different is that than to come up with some new wrinkles 
that are going to move the needle a little bit. And and when you answer this, I got a follow up question to okay. that. Well, Dan Duquette probably thinks I have the easier job. I probably <laughs> think he has the easier job. Um, Touche. You know, you're right because I don't have that luxury. I, I don't have the ability to rely on the players on the field. Um, you know, we could have a star pitcher on Tuesday who throws a complete game and he's pitching in Frederick or Delmarva on Saturday. Um, so I can't rely on any player beyond living in the moment. What we can do, though, is create cool, fun, zany promotions. You know, everything that minor league baseball is famous about, the steam crabs, this other name change we have, um, we have to sell the fun and the excitement of a hamburger between a glazed donut. You know, things that are special and different from Major League Baseball are really what makes my job special and unique. We're talk- and you had the follow-up. I had the follow-up, and, and my follow-up to that question that Stan asked is, that how do you, is there a way that you can balance or, or even know what a fan is coming out to that ballpark for? In other words, in, the true baseball fan who wants to really get a, a grasp on what might be at the lower levels of the Orioles minor league system, as opposed to the fan who's coming out that, yeah, we get to see a baseball game, but there's so much other stuff going on around the stadium. You know, first and foremost, I'm a baseball guy. And for anybody that comes out to Ripken Stadium, Lighthouse Field at Ripken Stadium, you know, the first thing to know is, we will never do anything to step on the sanctity of the game. Right. So we may have 90 minutes between innings where I may wear a corn suit and race a crab around the field. (laughs) But as soon as that music stops and that ball is in the pitcher's hands, it's all about baseball. And if you're not a baseball fan, maybe that's the time to get up and grab a a local craft brew or go try those steamed crabs. But Anybody can come out to the ballpark, have a fantastic time, whether you're a baseball fan or not. But if you are that subsection of fan that really wants to watch your future Orioles, that wants to see a Brendan Hannafy, that wants to see a Ben Brazil take some hacks, know that you can come out to the ballpark and you're going to get a great baseball game. Well, and I ask you that strictly because you look around major league stadiums at this point in time nowadays, and you see... You know, people not paying attention to the game. They're on their cell phones. They're doing this. They're doing that. Anything else? But I'm on my cell game. phone half the time when I'm doing this show. I, I understand that. Yeah. And that tells you everything you need to know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this year we extended our, our safety netting behind home plate. I was we going to. to the, that, the edges of the dugout. And I had one season ticket holder come up to me on opening night. And a bunch of four-letter words thrown my way about how uh, – you know, I ruined his seat, I ruined his experience, and I'll tell you, by the, the final week of the season, he came up and apologized and said, you know, I never realized I couldn't look at my cell phone during the game. So, it, it does change things. Well, that, fans, it's hard to watch three hours of baseball sometimes. Um, this gives you a little bit of an escape and lets you take your attention away from the field for even five seconds. The first park that I saw that happen in was Joker Marchant Stadium down in Lakeland where the Tigers train. And I not only saw them extend the netting uh, to the end of the dugout, I also saw them put up netting during batting practice all the way down the left and right field Mm -hmm. lines. And if you've ever been to that stadium down the right field line, once you get past the grandstands, that's where the clubhouses for the Tigers are. So, and, and, and then later, you know, further back, the visiting team, but the Tigers are right out there in the forefront. Uh, but with everything that happened this past year 
uh, with a couple of fans and one, a little kid that yep. got injured in New York. I don't think there's any question that all major league ballparks will, will we'll go, will, will go to that shortly. this year. Yes. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's at this point um, going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. I think it's really inevitable. Um, it, it'll be interesting too, to see that once all those major league ballparks follow through, does that happen to the other 160 mile away club? Yeah. I would bet that we'd all follow suit at some point here in the near future. We're talking with Matt Slatus, general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. One thing that's coming at us uh, in the short uh, term is the winter baseball meetings. Um, right. I'm assuming, like all general managers, that you're going to be down in Orlando, all minor league general managers. First of all, are you going? And secondly, when you go, what's the game plan? You don't have a lot of time to waste. You have to accomplish certain things at the winter baseball meetings What's there for you to accomplish? You're not trying to make trades or sign free agents. No, we're not. And I'll tell you, this is actually going to be the first one I miss. My wife and I are expecting a child that week. Oh, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. But my, my staff will be down there. Do, do we know, boy or girl? Oh, that's right. You're I, for, I forgot. About, I mean, I remembered that, but I didn't think it would impact this. So you're going down. You're not going down. I got you. Yeah, I'm going to miss Orlando this year. We're, we're having a baby boy, a future, ah. hopefully a future left-handed uh, relief pitcher who can, can throw in the big leagues. By, and, can pitch, and can pitch till he's 45. By the way, <laughs> exactly. I've, I've told them the, the naming rights are available for Stan the Fan. Uh-huh. Stan the Fan Slatus sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're thinking about it. Yeah. I'm going to ask her as soon as I get off the phone. We're thinking about <laughs> it. You ever, you ever see the, you ever see the picture in the hospital with Duster po- or the commercial with du- uh, Buster, Buster Posey, Posey, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That, I don't think that's going over too I don't well. Think that's going to go over <laughs> no, very well. no, especially not a giant in our house. No, uh, mm. no. But the winter meetings for a minor league GM and a minor league staff, you know, everybody goes from your lowest level of baseball up to to Dan Duquette and Brian Cashman. Um, and they're making trades and signing free agents, but we're out networking with other minor league clubs. We're talking promotions. We're meeting with bobblehead makers. We're meeting with hot dog companies. It's, you know, there's a little bit of everything at the winter meetings. And, and for us, it's about finding that next great idea that's going to keep our fans excited and having fun during the upcoming baseball season. You know, I, I, I just think uh, when you, when you, when you look at the winter meetings and what this organization has to accomplish uh, in, in terms of getting the major league club back up there in a contention, I mean, well, let's face it, they were there to a certain degree last year, but you, you had to be really optimistic to feel like they were going to have a real legitimate shot to try to earn a spot somewhere in this postseason. And then it all went south uh, the last six weeks of the year. But uh, when, when you look at – Going forward, what the what the Ironbirds may look like next year is it too too early to tell, or do you have a good grasp on that yet? It's probably a little early to tell because most of our players end up coming from the draft, um, the draft in the present season. Uh-huh. But I think what we'll see, you know, we may see last year's first round pick, a guy named D.L. Hall, who right. was a high school pick. You know, we might see him after a year in the Gulf Coast League come on up to Aberdeen. So you may see some of those draftees from last year that probably stayed down in Florida get a full season of pro ball now in front of an audience up in Aberdeen. Well, that so, would that would be great because uh, from what I hear about that kid. Which uh, kid is this? I was doing yeah, Hall. Yeah, Dale yeah, Hall. Yeah, and uh, there, there's, there's a lot of promise there and, and the expectations 
while you don't like to lay a whole bunch of them on a kid like that, uh, certainly uh, there, there's a lot to be excited about when you watch him. Well, and that's definitely the hope. You know, this year we had a kid on the team named Brennan Hannafy, and Brennan was a second-round pick last year. Um, a local kid, he actually grew up in Cecil County and then moved uh, down to Virginia during his high school years. You know, he was drafted as a second-rounder out of high school in Virginia, grew up an O's fan, and 12 months later had the opportunity to uh, come play in Aberdeen, a ballpark that growing up he literally came to with his father every weekend. So not only do you have an arm that very much has potential to be in the O's big league rotation in a couple of years, uh, but you had a local kid who had the opportunity to pitch at home. And you never know what you're going to see in a minor league park. You know, Austin Hayes played in Aberdeen in 2016. Right. 12 months later, the guy's playing in the big leagues. Right. And and may very well contend for an everyday slot this uh, this spring. Exactly. Matt, I, I can't ask you to project nine, ten players who's going to make the major leagues, but of the players you saw last year play in an Aberdeen Ironbirds and Aberdeen Steam Crabs uniform, uh, who do you think will make the next jump? And I'm not talking about the Austin Hayes jump. I mean, I know we, we would agree the catcher Brazil uh, will probably play at uh, – will it be DeMar- Delmarva, you think, or Frederick next year? I think a lot of those guys, just to get to Delmarva is a great accomplishment. And if you can spend, you know, eight or 12 weeks there really raking, like Ben did in Aberdeen, I think it's it's not unrealistic to say that they'll get to Frederick at some point. All right. It sounds um, like a... Uh... You know, another guy to watch out for is a, an infielder named Mason McCoy. Right. Mason um, had a fantastic year and... Um, you know, with J.J. Hardy leaving town, I think that, uh, you know, no one's expecting Mason to fill in this year or next year, but there's obviously going to be an opportunity for guys like that. All right. Well, we appreciate your coming on. The The due date is – the due date oh, – wait a minute. Our, our man Bonza Tufa has a question for you. Hey, Matt. What do you got? Hey, Bonza. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, Daniel's still there, right? Yeah, Daniel should be back this year. Yeah, I was going to ask, you're going to give him a hard time next summer with these two different name changes going on during the season. Oh, I know. I hope he can keep track of it. So he'll have <laughs> two, two specials and an Iron Bird's name to remember. You need to make him pay if he messes up. Oh, we'll find the guy. <laughs> you know, maybe with your son, maybe it's not full naming rights. Maybe like one day a year you could do Stan the Fan Slatus. I'll tell you what, we got a deal. One day, one day, somehow I I envision you sitting in the delivery room, having this conversation with your wife, and then saying, you know, but but honey, stand the fan, Slatus, what do you think? And and then he he she she no no, and and then you're sitting there going, but honey, you're embarrassing me in front of stand the fan. And she says, and that matters. Yeah. I'll fight for you, Stan. I appreciate that, Matt Slatus. Uh, the due date is right around December 5th. Yeah, it's coming up. They're, they're talking probably the Monday or Tuesday after Thanksgiving. So we now are a uh, little over a week away, about uh, 10 days out. It's getting more right. exciting. Yeah, all I'll right. have to assemble a stroller this afternoon. Best of luck to you and the missus, and uh, happy, healthy baby delivery. That's the important thing. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll talk to you early in December, okay? Sounds great. All right, there you go. Matt Slatus, general if, manager. If you walk into that delivery room with a catcher's mask on and a mitt, I am, I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs>
Bonza had agreed to do that until you brought this up. Uh, Matt's a good man, and that is pretty exciting when you're getting. And there's your a, first there's so kid. many there's so many exciting things going on up there too because for a lot of guys it's the beginning of their career, uh, a chance to play professional baseball, and like he said, you know, there's a couple of guys that played Gulf Coast that now you know will be in their first full year right. as a professional and. Uh, great story. I apologize. Great I missed. So DL Hall, that's probably yeah. where he'll spend he'll spend his season. He's, he's this year. thinking that's probably where I'll wind up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. That's exciting. Uh, we've made a little bit of a reconfiguration. We were going to have Mike Shallon on at ten after. Okay, roughly. We're going to take a break now. Mm-hmm. You and I will come back and talk a few minutes, and then we're going to have Shallon on at about eleven twenty. Okay, eleven twenty five. And that that will uh, help us get through the 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 figuration of this show, the configuration of this show. Okay. All right, you're listening to the bat around, and uh, it's time to tell you once again, uh, more not tell you, remind you that if you like the concept, the Chick Fil A on Sundays, that, that's that's impossible. That can't happen. Well, it can happen. Really? Actually, yeah. With Chick Fil A's reheatable chilled nugget trays. You can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday, but you have to act by no later than Saturday. So if wow. you want one for the Ravens game tomorrow yeah. or the Redskins game tomorrow or the Tennessee well, no, the Tennessee Titans, the Tampa Bay-Miami game, or you want to watch the Red Zone with a Chick-fil-A reheatable chilled nugget tray, you got to act today. Make all of your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays. They're perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. That's Chick-fil-A on Sundays. You better act on Friday or Saturday. Speaking of acting, speaking of acting, did either one of you take an acting class? <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> Actually, no, we don't. And, uh, I thought you. And that last segment proved it, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Very good, Craig Heist. All right, uh, we will take a time out right now and be back with more of the bat around right after this. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can cater your holiday party, and now you can order the catering trays and delivery online. Go to Chick-fil-A.com and select Nottingham Square as your store and place your order. Did you know that Chick-fil-A offers the Grilled Chicken Bundle, a catering tray where everyone can build their own grilled chicken sandwich? Plus, Chick-fil-A offers chicken nugget catering trays with up to 200 nuggets per tray and chicken strip trays with up to 75 chicken strips. Call Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. You can pick it up or he'll bring it to you. That's 410-931-0031. The Parkcell Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Everyone knows that Full Circle Tire and Auto in Abingdon, that's where I take my vehicle whenever I have any issue whatsoever. And that's because there's a Full Circle difference. They understand my vehicle is my life and they know they need to get it taken care of in a timely manner and work with me to make arrangements. In fact, the most recent time that I took my vehicle to Full Circle Tire and Auto, Dave, he simply gave me a ride home personally after I dropped my car off there. That's the difference they make at Full Circle Tire and Auto. You can stop in and see them. 1304 Governor's Court 
at Unit 110 in Abingdon. Give them a call, 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS. Or find them on the web, fullcircletimeandauto.com. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit givethegoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's givethegoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. The latest edition of Press Box is now available. On the cover, Bo Smoka dives into the relationship between Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco and head coach John Harbaugh, now in their 10th season of working together. Plus, her in-depth college basketball preview looks at all of the Division I men's and women's teams in Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back into the press box uh, and, and the bat around. The press box. That's right. This is the press box because somebody's playing with his phone, wasn't ready to come back. And he's a bunker. And, and, and this look playing this, with my this, phone. I wanted you this to, is what I get. I wanted to share the. I, I wanted to share the responsibility of the show. Like it's our show. It's not the stand the fan show. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me that you're better on this show without me. Uh-huh. Because I, I tend to take over something like that. So I want you to feel that it's partly your show. Welcome back to the batter round, right here. <laughs> now I in, identify Dan, who's in, in the press box. Now, in the press box. In yeah. our in our press box this bunker. This is our bunker. <laughs> it's right. our bunker. Yeah. Oh my god. I get real worried when they close the door behind me. That's yeah. really the, the <laughs> bottom scary. line. Very, Very scary. scary. Very scary. <laughs> But Wait, I, I'm, I sitting there, honest, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at some information, all of a sudden I, I see. <laughs> but it wasn't because I wasn't ready. I just thought it would be a good idea to let you share in the uh, responsibility. Yeah, just a, okay. last, just a last second decision to share. Well, the... well, I've done that two of the last three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have. But you're not doing it next week. All right. Well, we'll repeat that next week we've got one of the best shows you'll ever hear. Because it is our best of material. No, it's just because I'm here by myself. That's right. And Hansa Tufa will be here. Re-airing my segments. <laughs> uh, I'm part of four of the six segments. <laughs> In fact, you know what? Are you are you getting a call again, or that's, what's the deal? That's Ross Grimsley. Oh, is that what that well, is? I should have. Why don't you call Ross Grimsley back? 
Yeah. Oh, gosh. See if gosh. you'll come on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you now, serious? Now, this is <laughs> after, uh, after Shallon, like this, quarter of. This is what is known, do. folks. Tell him as, I'll call him otherwise. This is what is known, folks, as not having much planned and doing it on the fly. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> we normally, you and I, no, no problem, have four guests Easily. mapped out. Yeah. Usually four, maybe sometimes five. Today... Um, I had somebody didn't get back to me, and I let you know rather late yesterday, hey, I could use a guest, and you said, I'll see what I can do, which 90, 999 out of 1,000 times means we'll get Latson, Chelsea James, you know, uh, Dan Kolka, you know, we're going to get somebody that covers the Nats because we like to balance the program. Today you walk in at like 10 of and go, uh, wasn't ready. I didn't read. So I said, no problem. We'll just talk. Yeah. But maybe Ross Grimsley can do 15 minutes with us. Well, let's hope so. But anyway, All right. uh, we're heading toward the winter meetings. Right. We're heading toward a kind of a up in the air situation with the Orioles. Right. When you stop to consider their first and foremost need is starting pitching. And, uh, you know, when you think about it that way, uh, Dan Duquette has some very uh, important work to do over the next months here as we get ready to start spring training in February. What is this team going to look like? Can they find anybody out there to balance with Bundy and Gosman going forward? And I'm not so confident that this is going to happen, knowing how the Orioles are as far as you know, contracts with pitchers and things of that nature and what it takes to sign quality pitching nowadays. And and I'm not so sure it's going to get done. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in this, to yeah. be honest well, with you. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be very interesting. What is interesting right now in particular is the fact that we've got this being Dan Duquette's last year. Yeah. Is Dan sort of you, – you've known Dan a while now. Uh, Dan is probably about – how old is Dan now? About 56? 56, 57, somewhere right. in there, yeah. I don't get the sense Dan Duquette is ready to walk off into the sunset. Well, uh, no, and especially not coming off the kind of year that this club had last right. year. This the, the kind of year he had in 2017 is a lot of times the kind of year that gets a general manager fired. Yeah. Um, but, but he works for an owner that... The contract means a lot to that owner in a lot of different ways. And as we've come to know, one of the things it does mean is you've got a contract, you're going to honor it, I'm going to honor it. Right. Okay. Uh, and then we'll let things uh, fall by. We'll, we'll let, we'll figure things out at the end of that contract. Me personally, I would love nothing more than to see Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter called tomorrow by the owner of the team and say, hey, come on in. I want to extend both of you three more years. You well, know, that I, would be fabulous I mean, if that happened. That would really set the tone of what the team's going to be like we, for three years. For no other reason, it it may not change the way the club spends money and and the way you think they should spend it in terms of who gets brought in here, but it does lend stability to – the GM and the, and the on-field manager and lets players understand that, right. yeah, they're going to be here and they're going to be the decision makers in that regard. Yeah. I mean, everything's going to go through Peter regardless. Yeah, we know that. We know that. I mean, that's just the fact of life. 
Uh, but but if there's some kind of stability there, because right now there's a lot of uncertainty with this club. A lot of uncertainty in the managerial uh, situation of the club past 2018. You know, you really have to wonder, and Buck made it as a joke the other night when he said, you know, hey, the Bucks, Buck ain't going to stop here too much longer if we don't get some pitching. Uh, but Buck's a competitive guy, and I don't think Buck, I think for the first time, the, the fact that they weren't competitive down the stretch those last 50 games, I think it got to him. And I don't think he really wants to manage a team that he doesn't feel can be competitive. Right, and, and that, that'll have a lot to say about his decision-making. Now, uh, again, when you, when you look at what might happen, uh, you know, being competitive, as you say, is some things that is sometimes what gets a manager fired. Yeah. But but as you as we've seen this off season so far, being real competitive will still get you fired. That's a good point. <laughs> Joining us now, yes. I, I was trying to call uh, Mike, and I every time I call him. I will ask, is this Mike Shallon? He's like, no, this is his evil twin, Brad, or something like that. And I called him now and just said, I know you're Mike. I'm not going to ask if you're Mike or not. And he's like, well, that's just very unfair. I don't appreciate how you're treating me. Mike Shallon joins us now up from Boston, Massachusetts, where he writes for the New Hampshire Union Leader. Mike, how are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing great. It's just that i gotta, I got to hurry up here because i got to – Fourteen-year-old girl at Chick Fil A that I, I got to get to the mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know you lose tomorrow. They're closed on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Sunday is a day of rest, but the rest of the mall is open, so I'll be all right. Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. We'll get you out in time to get to Chick Fil A. All right, which happens to be a sponsor of our show, by the way. So, I feel you know. I feel you. Remember Roger Freed? Sure. The greatest minor league player of all time. Well, I, I, there's a connection between him and Roy Moore, in that uh, Roger got kicked off the bench more than once too. So, anyway. <laughs> that's outstanding. <laughs> Mike Shallon joins us from up in the New England area, and Craig, you've got you want to pounce on him. I want to pounce on it, Mike. What are you hearing in terms of John Carlos Stanton? Uh, we know that the uh, Giants have made a formal offer, if you will, to the Marlins. Uh, but then there was a report that said the Cardinals and the Red Sox would be soon doing the same thing. Have you heard anything on that front? Well, for one thing, I'm going to give you a little uh, a little inside information here. He may be trained, and um, that's what I come on this show for is to give you guys inside information. Well, exactly. <laughs> but, um, I saw a some Red Sox blogger this morning had the Red Sox trading Hanley Ramirez, Rusne Castillo. Sam Travis and Blake Swihart. That's a that's but, a that's a talk show host. Uh, that's a talk show trade. Yep. There you go. There you go. In other words, we'll we'll pick up Stanton's money, but you got to pick up all this other dead money. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, we I used to do a, I used to do a show on, on WRKO up here. We used to have a we used to have um, entire trade you know trade shows, and and uh, the, the people calling in saying you know we want. Uh, you know, Willie Mays for a bucket of uh, baseballs, whatever. And um, but no, the Red Sox will be there to make an offer. Now we heard we heard during the week, early in the week, that he would say no to St. Louis or Boston, that he wants the West Coast. Um, I would I would be very surprised if it's not San Francisco or Los Angeles. But mm-hmm. I've been surprised before uh, when you talk in Red Sox. First of all, you got to be. You got to if you get Stanton, you got to trade one of your outfielders. 
Uh, I would think the Marlins would want Benintendi. Right. Um, I, I, I don't. You know, he's, he's young. He's controllable. Um, he certainly would solve their financial problems. I would think they would want Devers for the same reason. Uh, you know, the, the Marlins are not devoid of talent. You know, and if you replace Stanton with Benintendi, you still have a great outfield. Yeah. If you don't trade the other guys. So, um, you know, I can't imagine. You know, and it's a very it's a weird situation, too, because anytime a big name comes up, we hear Yankees. You know, Yankees are going to do this. Yankees are going to do this. Well, these aren't your, you know, your dad's Yankees. These are, this is a more physically, physical, responsible team. Um, and, and the thing is, too, there's the added problem of, how would it look to baseball for Derek Jeter to trade Stanton to the Yankees, which is a which is another factor from right. a public relations standpoint. But um, you know, it, it, it's going to be a great offseason, I think. You know, we, you know, I, I saw a report. I think it was uh, Mad Dog Russo was talking about Jack Britton yesterday going to perhaps the Dodgers or the Cubs. I think there's going to be a lot of fun stuff uh, going on during this offseason, and obviously Stanton being right in the middle of it. And we, and we certainly talk here about Manny Machado. When you think about the, the Miami Marlins, uh, a lot of people think that that could be a landing spot for, for Machado. I don't see that as a possibility, I and I, I think the Stanton you know, deal is a sign that they're, they're not going to play in that ballpark. Exactly. You know, I mean, you're talking about a $400 million contract, and I don't see that as being a way. I mean, if you're going to do that, just keep Stanton. Hey, you know, what, I, I, well, I totally agree with that yeah. aspect of it, but I'm just talking about – from a PR standpoint, in terms of Machado going, you know, back to where there's certainly a market for him down there. Uh, that that's the only thing I'm, I'm, and I mean, from from people who have speculated that, yeah. it would make sense. But yeah, again, geographically, like it makes yeah. sense. But there, hey, I'm just curious. The, the Steve Phillips on um, MLB uh, XM Radio threw out a, a sort of a wacky notion that th- that the Nationals could possibly get involved in the Stanton sweepstakes and then immediately turn around and recapture some of what they give up by trading Bryce Harper, meaning that they're getting a player that that's their maximum that they would go for for Harper is like in the $30 million range, and that's what they'd get Stanton for. Well, why bother? Yeah, well... That's true. Why bother? Because you'd get, you'd get the player and the cost certainty that you're looking for, but you're not willing to go to $40 million for Harper. In oh, other I words, they, they would acquire Stanton, gain the cost certainty of a superstar at what they think is the maximum value of a player, uh-huh. and then turn yeah. around and recapture some of the prospects you give up. It, 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 to me, it's sort of brilliant, actually. Well, then you're you're assuming though that he'd that play somebody, in Washington. Somebody, well, not only that, but that somebody will trade prospects for a one-year rental at a very high price. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just don't. Who who would you deal with? Well, I think the Do- I think the Dodgers would be the the team you'd probably be looking at there. Yeah. I think if the I think if the Dodgers are all in on this thing, they'll just go for Stanton. Uh, yeah. Not, okay. You know, Fair enough. Puts them around, but that, that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean it won't happen. Listen, we've seen some crazy stuff, and and anytime you're dealing with with money in the thirty to forty million dollar range, uh, everything's nuts. You know, everything's crazy. So, um, you know, I, I expect to hear I expect to hear a ton of rumors going on here, from uh, from Mookie Betts down to down to you know whatever package of prospect. You know, there's 
there's a double-edged sword here with, with the stat deal, too, because Derek is looking to shed payroll, so not having to pick up any part of his of his money would allow would allow the team trading for him to not give up as much in the package. Correct. So you know, can he get can he get both? And I think that would be a difficult uh, difficult thing to do. And I think that's that might be what behind what Derek said that, this week. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily going to trade Giancarlo Stanton. Right. I, I don't believe that that's true. But I think he believes that that's always there as a possibility, and and then you just you know you just go about it some some different kind of way because we're dealing with a troubled franchise. There's no question about it. Uh, everything that they've done over the years has been goofy. They win championships. They break up the team. Uh, they build a new stadium where you know all kinds of weird political stuff was going on, uh, and now you got Derek Jeter, who's the you know arguably the most popular player of his era coming in there and trying to straighten this out. And I'm sure that, that, that part of um, part of his willingness to get involved in this was would be to, to get some side of a sign of uh, physical sanity without without completely tearing the team down. So it's gonna be very interesting to watch. You know one of the interesting complications to a trade to the Dodgers of Stanton and you know who I'm talking about is the manager of the Miami Marlins, Don Mattingly he and Yasuo Pui get along about as well as oil and water, and that would be kind of what I would see that from just a personnel standpoint and a dollar standpoint that would make some sense as the replacement for Stanton would be mm-hmm. Yasiel Puig, but I don't think there's a chance in hell that that Mattingly would want him on his team. Well, I think Puig has changed a little bit. I think he's grown up a little bit. He, you know, he still does some goofy things. Yeah. But uh, I think all in all, I think first of all, last year he became a better player. Yeah, uh, he was, he was a final. I think he was, uh, you know, he was upset that he wasn't a finalist for the or he was a finalist for the Gold Glove and didn't get it. Said I'll come back and get it or whatever. But the fact is, he became a pretty complete ball player. Yeah, and and again, um, you know, financially, you know, another thing in the middle of all this is the Japanese kid. So you know, that's that's another factor that makes this off season. We had, we had Rich Dubroff on, who wrote a really good column on PressBoxOnline.com. There is a lot no, no, of... No, 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 that's impossible. Rich can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he wrote a fairly decent column. Um, no, we, should, we should clear that up. He's my buddy. I just and he, and he kind of clarified some of the things. I, I think a lot of people out there, Mike, think that, that Sho, Shohai Otani is just simply going to go with who pays him the most money but he can't even sign a major league contract. Right, right. He has to come in for the and play for the five hundred forty thousand if he makes the team or yeah. whatever. Uh, uh, unless he waits, if he waits two years, he's free to come in and get five hundred million dollars. Right. So I think I think this kid's desire to not only want to come here but come here now and also play for an American League team that would allow him to DH. Uh, that's why I, 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 I thought it was funny when Sandy Alderson said that the Mets were going to be in the middle of this because I, I really have trouble thinking yeah. that the kid's going to want to play the field. But he wants to hit. Right. And and uh, so that obviously opens it up for, uh, for the American League team. But as of now, uh, he, would, he would be forced to pay to play for the major league minimum and of course, get the one between one and two hundred thousand dollars in licensing money, right? And pick up all the endorsements he's going to pick up by coming over here. And, 
you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to have to hold any tax sales for him. I'm going back. See, I brought up the mall again. I, I'm sorry, you know. And you notice I didn't make any <laughs> Pete Phillips Roy Moore connection. I didn't do that, no. which I think was the question. No, so, that's very good. <laughs> hey, Mike, let me ask you something about uh, what we've seen in terms of the managerial turnovers. Uh, obviously, Boston making their choice. The Yankees uh, certainly, uh, and, and now all of a sudden, Boone's name has come up. Uh, as a guy who's interviewed, uh, we saw Dusty get relieved in D.C. and Dave Martinez get hired down there. Uh, is is or have we gotten to this point in this sport where just being a good manager isn't good enough anymore? Probably. Um, you know, I, I, the Yankee Yankee situation puzzles me because if they were gonna if they were gonna uh, get rid of uh, of Girardi. Why did they wait until Cora, who was the most apparently the most desirable candidate, was already off the market? Right. There's there's something weird going on here, and I wrote in a column the other day that if if George was still alive, that by this time he would have rehired Girardi. Right. <laughs> Girardi, Girardi was the line. best candidate to replace Girardi. Yeah. No question about it. In my mind. But obviously that 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 would that would be weird. But listen, would it be weird if George did it? Probably not. Um, you know, they made a decision. Uh, they're going to go with uh, God knows who. I mean, you know, you see Boone's name, you see Cohn's name, you see Eric Wedge's name. Uh, not that the Yankees haven't hired a failed former manager before. Uh, when they, did, they certainly did it with Torrey. But um, the Girardi thing, I understand that he and, he and Cashman butted heads a lot, and I yeah. think that was the root of the whole thing. But if that was going to happen... Why didn't it happen right away to where the field was still out there to, to, to name your replacement? Not that they necessarily would have beaten out the Red Sox before anyway because Cora played here, but it just seems very strange that it took that long for Cashman to realize he didn't get along with Girardi anymore. And then to throw him under the bus with the thing with the young players and the left. You know, I heard one, one argument that it was his relationship with Sanchez, but, you know, with, with giving Sanchez a hard time. Uh, but I can't imagine any manager wouldn't have. Can you imagine Buck go crazy with Sanchez and all the past balls? So, you know, it's it's a very it's a George-like story without George. Yeah, yeah, which is, which that's is a, really surprising. That's very, very, very interesting. Could you see a scenario? And I know he's not going to get the managerial job there, but say Aaron Boone is hired, would you think that Dusty Baker could possibly be a a, a really well-thought-out well idea as second banana? Sure. Sure, I can see that. In New York. I In New York. That. I can't see yeah. that if – I can't see that knowing – the direction that Cashman wants to go in terms of younger and more analytics. I didn't and... say as a manager. I said oh, as oh, Aaron Boone's bench coach. Oh, yeah. A set, a yeah. set, a set of eyes. You know, yeah. Kind of like Bolo. Yeah. Bolo was in Philadelphia. Yep. You know, it's not, uh, you know, uh, Don Zimmer was the bench coach for the Yankees. Yep. Um, yep. So, I, yeah, I think that's that's something that could happen. That's why I was a little bit surprised in, in Renicky being the Boston guy because while he has five years of managerial experience, it was in Milwaukee. Right. So, you know, it's a, there's nobody there that really understands what Boston's about. Now, yes, Cornell was a player, but let's be honest, he was a French player. How many times did the media go rushing to, to Cornell to, to get postgame stuff? Um, the Red Sox have, have gone to rookies 
at all at all their major jobs: rookie manager, rookie hitting coach, mm-hmm. rookie pitching coach. Um, and that you know maybe that maybe that plays into this. You know maybe listen. It seems to me, and I wrote this the other day too, that that their situation changes every day. First, first Nebraska said Falvinik was doing a great job, then he fires. Then he says he's going to hire a manager, a managerial experience, and he hedges on that and hires a manager without managerial experience, and then hires a Hall of Fame manager to not manage. And then he says, <laughs> my outfield is going to remain intact, and then you hear that they're going to trade for Stan. Right. So, I mean, it just seems, I don't know if they're changing every day or if social media lends itself to just there being different reports every day. Uh, meanwhile, the thing I would be concerned about in Baltimore is that they're not in the news and they're becoming, they're becoming kind of irrelevant. And, and you know, because the, the Yankees got all kinds of publicity for the young team overachieving, firing the manager, you know, just, they're in the news every day, not hiring the manager. The Red Sox won the division, fired the manager, now they're in the middle of all this, you know, Stanton, Jay Bruce, and all this other kind of stuff. And the Orioles, all you hear is, will they trade Machado? Will they trade Britain? What are they going to do? Yeah. It's, like, it's almost like they're, 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 they're being relegated to being second-class citizens, when in fact, the roster as constituted could contend if everything goes right. That's the weird part, if they could pick up a starting pitcher here and there. But um, that's, that's, the, that's the weird thing. And you got to remember, you're competing in the American League East. And no matter what people do to try to demean the American League East or say that it's, that it's slipped, it's fault, it's still the best division in baseball. It's always the best division in baseball. And, and, and going into a season... People say it's not going to be the best division. They want exactly what it turns out to be. Yeah, I'll just give you a little anecdote that you might be able to throw into a column at some point. I was at a uh, farewell to Fred Manfra banquet the other night, and Buck uh-huh. and Buck Showalter flew in to to say a few words, and he gets up on the the dais uh, to talk, and somebody yells out, "The buck stops here!" And everybody's applauding, and and he goes, "That's all well and good." He goes, "But I'll tell you what." If we don't get some pitching, the Bucks not going to stop here much longer. <laughs> um, that that said, Mike, what do you think the Orioles are going to do this off season, and especially when the winter meetings rolls around, as far as trying to shore up this pitching staff in some way, shape, or form to make it respectable? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the thing. Um, you know, that's what that goes back to what I was saying before. Uh, you know, if you trade Machado, obviously you're weakening your lineup. There's no question about it. And the one thing that the that the that the uh, the, the birds could do on any given day is outslug the other team. Right. Uh, that said, you know you gotta you gotta go out and you know I mean I you know uh, uh, Darvish is available obviously uh, coming off screwing up his resume in the World Series. Uh, Arietta. You know, obviously there's there's a track record there, and maybe some burnt bridges, um, and and uh, you know what else? I guess you got you know, Cobb, Santana, you got Cobb, Cobb, you got Cobb, uh, Vargas, Cashner, yeah. R. A. Dickey, um, Miles Mikolas coming back from Japan, uh, Ulysse uh, Shashin, Tyler Chatwood. Uh, there's you know about ten or twelve names out there. I don't see I don't see any of that. Yeah. Solving the problem. Right. To be honest with you. 
Um, you know, again, you, you know, you're dealing with a, a, a tough ballpark to, uh, you know, people say, well, why would somebody sign with Colorado with the, with the thin air and course field? But Camden Yards is a tough place to pitch. And, and, uh, you need a, you need a certain type of, uh, certain type of pitcher. You need a, you know, even when Porcello had his great year, he had his great year in Fenway Park. I think he lost once in Fenway because he had a great center. Yep. As soon as that sinker came up a little bit, ooh, then he went back to the 9-15 season. Yeah. Right. So it's a very, the pitching situation in baseball is so delicate now and has also become so relief-oriented, right? So now, so now if you're going to turn around and trade Britain, well, you know, number one, what are you going to get for him? And number two, are you breaking up the Britain O'Day? Uh, uh, I, I like the... Uh, What's the kid's name? Mike, uh, Mike Givens. I like Givens Brock. and and Brock. Yeah, and Brock. So you, you know, I like I like the uh, I like the back end, and the, and the sport is becoming back end oriented. There's no question about it. So you know they have to. You know, Dan's got to sit down and decide what which way you want to go. You know, I mean, if you if you put together a strong enough bullpen, the problem with the strong enough bullpen last year was injury. And that was, you know, Zach going down, and then and uh, O'Day, O'Day went was, down for a time too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't if you're going to have that set up, you can't have the Batances fold the room, the Yankees had, or the yeah. Chapman fold the room until he came back. Those guys have to be solid, you know, and and that's that's tough because as we as we all know, any of us with more than three three years in the business, relievers tend to fluctuate. They don't tend to stay great for that long. You know, the Mariano Rivera's is 15 stories for every Mariano Rivera uh, of guys who who had a good one year, they're not so good, they get hurt, they, you know, whatever. And it, it, the game has changed, and you have to make a decision on what on how you want to go about it. We're talking with Mike Shallon of the New Hampshire Union Leader. He's also writes for Sports Exchange out of Boston, an official score at Boston Red Sox games. Uh, Mike, I want to touch on a a, a player that I don't think there's any question talent-wise you'd want to have on your baseball team. But how do you think uh, Cora is going to handle the David Price situation? Well, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's uh, handleable. Is that a word, handleable? Yeah, yeah it's, it's good I don't enough. Know, I don't know. If, yeah. Judge, don't Moore, know if Judge Moore would use that word. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, sure, I'm sure it's been used on this show at some point in time. Yeah, handleable. I think, uh, and then there's handleability, which, right. which is another plan, uh, you know, conjugation. But um, how about that? Conjugate, that's a big word. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I don't know with, with Price. You know, I, I don't know what Farrell's relationship with him was. I don't know what Joe Madden's relationship with him was. He never, he never really heard a lot about him being a bad guy. Right. And, and they raved about him in Toronto. Uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's an old saying in baseball, some guys just aren't cut out for New York and Boston. You yep. know, and, and I don't think Price is, it, is, is to that level yet. Uh, I also, I'm also not in the camp that, that, that criticized him for being hurt last year. You know, collect the money and just sit there. I, I, I really think he's a competitor. Yeah. I think if you look at you look at the times that he was traded in a mercenary situation, was ten and one with Toronto or something like that. Um, so his September numbers were always good. Well, obviously his October numbers weren't or haven't been. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would think 
that Price was one of the first people Cora called mm-hmm. and said, you know, you got what, what, what do you got? You know, I, I mean, we're, we're teammates now. Let me know what's wrong, uh, what you find wrong with the situation. I don't know how you prevent a situation like like what happened with Eckersley last year, which was obviously disgusting. Yep. Um, but, you know, again, it's very difficult to, you know, the manager takes over, he calls his players. You know, there have been situations where the manager's gone to visit each and every player during, during the offseason. I would think the price would be number one and Pedroia perhaps number two on, on Cora's list. Now, you got to remember, they don't have Pedroia until May. Yep. They won't have Eduardo Rodriguez until May. Um, they open up with uh, five games, in, I think it's five games in Florida, or six games in Florida. So, um, you know, getting off to a good start, well, we'll see, we'll see if that's a factor. But, you, you know, you've got Cora did. The, the one thing about about Martinez, the Yankee manager, and Cora, all three inherited playoff teams. Yeah. That, that's got to be unprecedented. That's unusual, they, yeah. You know, they're not, they're not inheriting bad teams. And what they have to do is sit back and say, well, how can, how can my team get better? And that, that obviously is up to, the, up to Dabrowski and what, and what he decides to do. Yeah, how, much, how much input does Cora have on that? I don't know. You know. Well, Part of a coral job interview maybe had had something to do with um, you know which way are we going on this? Call you me, know, but uh, call me old school on this. Uh, but and, and I know there was you know the fallout between Girardi and Cashman, and I know that Dombrowski said that you know eventually he said that even if they'd have won the whole thing, Farrell wasn't coming back. And you, you look at what happened with Dusty down in D, in D.C. My way of looking at that is, and, and I've said it all since the postseason ended, be careful what you wish for because there are no guarantees with this playoff format being what it is and having to get through, in many cases, three rounds to, to get yourself to the World Series and be able to win it. There just aren't any guarantees. These games come down to a play here and there, a mistake here and there, and you can have the best team out there, but that doesn't – uh, you, you know that doesn't excuse you from 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 making that big mistake. I.e., Anthony Rendon with an error, uh, Max Scherzer coming into the fifth inning in Game Five and giving up, uh, getting the first two outs by two of the toughest hitters on that Cubs lineup. And then before you know it, there's a bloop, there's a double down the left field line, and there's an error, and he's given up four runs in the inning. Mm-hmm. I just, I well, mean, well, there's also there was also AJ Hinch bringing in Verlander. Right. In the middle of an inning, in the middle of an inning at yeah. Fenway Park, there was there was Dave Roberts uh, making mistake after mistake. Oh, I so thought he had an awful, yeah. awful for, World for Series. Brandon Morrow's arm has been removed. I think right. I have to put a new arm on him for next year. <laughs> but um, no, I, I really, I, I I always go back to Sparky on these things. And, you know, Sparky we know was uh, full of more baloney than any deli, but he was great. He was great <laughs> as far as being honest. And he said, you know, I'm, a, I'm the manager of this team. I might make a difference in between five and ten games a year. And, you know, as somebody who watches every game that John Farrell uh, manages, you know, he'll, he'll, he made that many mistakes. Some of them he got away with. Buck, Buck made a colossal mistake with Britain in the, in the playoff game. Yeah. Um, but I, as it was, you know, it's a funny thing. As that was going on, I almost understood what he was doing. Um, you know, the, 
Yeah, their offense was so bad at that point in time, I think yeah. he thought he was just going to burn them for one inning, and he would have been with him and as the next inning anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. And, and But it's it's very easy to to jump on the obvious. And yeah. the, pitching, the pitching is so thin now, and, and these guys go so much by the book with, uh, you know, you can't go more than one. You can't, you can't come in and, and it's not a clean inning or whatever they call it. It's very, you know, your pitching coach is is almost as important as your manager in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, hitting coach, hitting coach helps the guy, you know, not not have a big hit in his swing or do this and that. But the pitching coach actually probably, you know, completely runs the pitcher. Yeah, I and, thought Chili, I thought Chili Davis did a great job there as a hitting coach. I, well, I, thought he was well, very good. I don't know what that means. I mean, all yeah. of a sudden the Red Sox stopped hitting home runs. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I, was that? Did he do a great job in that in that yeah. way? Um, Maybe they're you know the Boston Red Sox who for for a thousand years hit home runs in a home run ballpark yeah. and wound up last in the American League. Of I home think runs. they underestimated what the Ortiz meant to that lineup. Uh, well, that's that's and, true. I knew, yeah. we knew that from day one. Yeah. Hey, Mike, before we let you go, I know you write for the New Hampshire Union Leader, and you write more than just baseball. I've got to ask you a question. Uh, when we talk about making mistakes, there's somebody who's been making a batch of mistakes for the last four or five years, and his contract is is coming due. Uh, where do you stand on the Roger Goodell, Jerry Jones story? ESPN.com ran their big story for their December issue that comes out December 4th uh, about this yesterday on the website. Uh, where do you come out on that? Do you think Goodell survives? Well, you know, it's an interesting situation. It's kind of, um, it's kind of like watching a car accident. You know, you, yep. you, you, you can't look away from it. It's, it's, uh, and it's also watching a car accident between two people you can't stand. So, you know, Jerry's pushing the envelope and he's doing stuff in his favors by ripping Kraft, too. Cause yep. He said that Kraft went after him like a kitty cat or whatever, but... We're not allowed to use that word right. because our president used it. But right. um, the um, you know who do you root for? Yeah. You know you got Goodell on the one hand asking for a raise to forty nine and a half million dollars, uh, and at a private plane because he's for the rest of his life, not just while he's commissioner, for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the, you know, but the thing is, he's only going from forty two million. He's making he you know whether or not it's his doing or not it. He's, make, he's still making the owners a boatload of money, but there is a problem in the sport. There's yeah. No question about it. There's a there's a saturation problem. That silly Thursday night game where they where they preach um, player safety and then make guys play two games in five days. Uh, there's all kinds of you know every week you lose a major star in that sport. That's yeah. the difference between that sport and all the other sports combined. Is you know every week you're losing somebody. You know we're all excited. Is Deshaun Watson kid, great kid, can throw the ball, can run. Oh, he's gone. Yeah. Now his career is going to be in jeopardy because it was a torn ACL. Yeah. And, and not even a contact ACL. His, his leg just gave out yep. like Julian Edelman yep. did. So you know I really don't care how that comes out. To be honest with you, um, I just think that Jones, uh, who, uh, who like Bob Kraft, has made the sport a lot of money and made themselves a lot of money. But Jones hasn't won anything. Yeah, you know it's been twenty years. Since yeah, he hasn't won anything, anything yeah. since ninety six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I, I uh, if I if somebody if somebody put a gun to my head, 
and, and said, "Who do you pick?" I would I would say, "How about a draw and do a runoff or something?" <laughs> well, and the, and the other thing, and the other thing too, with the anthem protest and things of that nature, I don't care where you fall politically. Uh, the bottom line to this is the fans have taken it to to their own degree. Uh, you go out here to M&T Bank Stadium to watch the Ravens play, and, and I did the last game on a Thursday night against the Dolphins, and there were anywhere from ten to 15,000 easily no-shows. No-shows. And it's like that around the league. They're losing sponsors, and when that starts to happen – uh, you know, you know, the commissioner is going to get looked at. You know, I, I wrote a piece for a, another magazine in town here called Jay Moore that uh, one of our owners owns. And I, I said, if I'm paying somebody 45 to $49 million a year to be the captain of my ship, he better miss some more icebergs than hit him. And right now, Goodell is hitting the icebergs every time you come out of it. Well, how, he, how, yeah. he, how he failed to be proactive on that national anthem thing I'm going back to last right, year. Right. What he didn't see that as a possibility. He had the entire off season, and I guess he thought, "Well, we'll collude to get Kaepernick out of here, and that'll be the end of that problem." Yeah, it was yeah. absolutely idiotic that he didn't go to Demar Smith and say, "Hey, we got a potential problem here. Let's figure this out together." Well, and the other part, well, the other part about that too, and I will say this is that with all of the kneeling and everything else that took place, I don't really think that half of these guys know what the hell they're protesting. I, I agree 100%. You know, that, that's the other part of it. Yeah. And, and the league's got to get a handle on it. Well, you're leaving out, you're leaving out <laughs> one very important part. Yeah. And that is racism. And, and the, the people who would voluntarily give up seats that they waited for for 10 years or whatever, and there were people burning their tickets, let's be honest. These are, these are black guys that are kneeling. Yeah. And Nobody's going to tell me that the people up in that, that the percentage of those empty seats are not in, in direct, uh, a direct hit on, on your black athletes. And, and, that's, and that goes back to the core of what they're kneeling for. And for a guy yeah. like Kaepernick to do what he did and then, and then donate a million dollars of his own money to different causes, uh, the whole thing was misunderstood since day one. I agree. The owners, the owners should have, the owners should have embraced it and said, "We've got a, we've got a problem in this country, a deep-seated racial problem in this country, and and let's let's get together and see what we can do to fix it." And that, to me, that's that, you know the the hypocrisy of all the stuff that goes on uh, of of these owners. Using their athletes, let's be honest. Using their athletes who are predominantly black to get them to a certain point, to a playoff, to a, to a Super Bowl or whatever, and then use them up and spit yeah. them out because that's what they do. Yeah, and well said. Nobody's Mike. better at that. Nobody's better at that than Bill Belichick, who's a great coach. Yeah, he's a great evaluator of talent. But when you're done, you're done, and you're gone. Yeah, and that and that that to me. Uh, if we can't get to the root of the problem, which is the same problem we're having in this country right now, and the reason that man is president is because of racism, let's be honest. Yep. And and let's you know let's let's attack it for what it is. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to do that. Mike, thank you very much for coming on. Well said. All right. My pleasure. All See right. Well, we appreciate it very much. All right. We're going to be back with a couple of final words on the show right after this. Stan the Fan, Craig Heist, Ponzatufa, right after this.
Everyone knows that Full Circle Tire and Auto in Abingdon, that's where I take my vehicle whenever I have any issue whatsoever. And that's because there's a Full Circle difference. They understand my vehicle is my life and they know they need to get it taken care of in a timely manner and work with me to make arrangements. In fact, the most recent time that I took my vehicle to Full Circle Tire and Auto, Dave, he simply gave me a ride home personally after I dropped my car off there. That's the difference they make at Full Circle Tire and Auto. You can stop in and see them. 1304 Governor's Court Unit 110 in Abingdon. Give them a call. 410-676-2277. That's 410-676-CARS. Or find them on the web. FullCircleTireAndAuto.com. Guys, can you believe that we've been in Section 336 for 25 years? Well, yeah. 25th anniversary of Canham Yard. Yeah, we've been in Section 336. 336. Well, I mean, technically. Are we? Well, technically we're in 334. No, no, no. Section 336. We're in Section 336. Yeah, like our podcast, that's who we are. We're section 336. Every Monday night. It's Every Monday night, yeah. But, you know, when we go to the stadium, we tend to sit in 334. But the ticket's screwed up. We're just, we can touch section 336. I walk past, I say hi to Ryan in section 336. Yeah, and when we say hi to Ryan, we can talk Orioles because we always do here on the show, section 336. Yeah, so section 336. Section 336. That's where we are. Just lie to him. That's Press us. box. Find Section 336 at the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com or by going to iTunes or Section336.com. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, that, podcast. Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to job and out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins he Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. PressBox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on PressBox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game, Glenn is joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.goarmy.com slash football. There's strong, then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. And we are back with the uh, 
Sounds hollow. There, that's better. Uh, we are back with the uh, final few words on the battle round. We thank our friends Mike Shallon, uh, Matt Slatus, and Rich, Rich Dubroff, Dubroff yeah. and, uh, and of course the two of you uh, for making the show go. Uh, lengthy interview there with um, Mr. Shallon. Yeah, and uh, brings up some good points. I mean, I'm to me, this whole thing about managers getting canned after they've had successful seasons just blows my mind. I just can't get past it. I can't wrap my head around it. Because the guys who are going to be part of the Red Sox, whoever the Yankees hire, Dave Martinez down the road in Washington, there are no guarantees. You better be. Uh, you, you, be you better win the championship. You better win the championship. Well, you know, <laughs> well, you and, that's, get, and that was the thing about the press conference. You better get to the conference. World Series. When, yeah. when you were out, I think it was the first week he was out, right. we played excerpts from the press conference. The press conference. Hiring Dave right. Martinez. Of, you know, and that was one of the, you know, the, the, the narrative went from. You know, Mike Rizzo telling us during the playoff series that, you know, we're going to have talks with Dusty and everything seems to be on the right track. Right. To all of a sudden, well, just getting to the playoffs isn't good enough anymore. And that's totally coming from the learners. That's There's not no coming from Mike, Sh- Mike, no Mike Rizzo. And, and, you know, and again, I will say this. The learners do a good job in terms of spending money, giving Mike Rizzo the resources he needs to run that team. But again, for whatever the reasons, and you can you can name a lot of them, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a, you know Matt Williams and Jordan Zimmerman, right? Whether it was Davy Johnson, uh, you, know, you know, in the in the in the series against the Cardinals, uh, Dusty in his two years, there's certainly some managerial faux pas you could point to. But but Dave Roberts made a ton of them. Uh, he's not getting fired. And, well, I'm just saying he's not getting fired. Are we going to fire? Uh, Terry Francona in Cleveland when he not only blew a 3-1 World Series lead, but he also blew a 2-0 lead to the Red Sox. I'm not saying I agree with any of the situations. I foresaw the second Baker did not make it to to the to play the Dodgers. I could tell you he was out. I knew Farrell was out. I have to admit that Girardi kind of threw me, but I can't say that I didn't read the tea leaves you know, because that seemed so obvious to me that he should have been re-signed that I would have thought he would have been re-signed like at the middle of the season. There would have been a two- or three-year extension. Um, but I saw it coming. But I, I will tell you this to the Dave, Dave Martinez and Alex Cora and whoever gets this Yankee job, the, the one poster boy for them should be Brad Ausmus. If you inherit a good team, a team that's capable of making it to the World Series, mm-hmm. And you don't do it. It could be a while before you get another shot at this. Could very well be. And you know, and down in in Washington with the Nationals, you have Dave Martinez brought into a situation not unlike Matt Williams was brought into. And speaking of which, he signed a, a, a contract with the Oakland A's yesterday to be their third base coach. Matt Williams. Matt Williams. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but. You're you're looking at a situation where a guy is being did brought play, in. Did he play with Bob Melvin years and years I ago? I believe I think he did. Probably did. I yeah. believe he did. But sure, the, there's a long relationship the, well, there. Yeah, uh, but the other part of that is, unlike not unlike that situation, both guys no major league managerial experience. Yeah. So there are no guarantees. The only thing they've been handed is the keys to a car that's already you know revved up, revved and up and ready to go. Yeah. I was going to ask before we close out the show, obviously the awards came out this past week, 
manager of the year, MVPs. Did any of that surprise you at all? I was surprised that Kershaw did not get the I wasn't. Young Award. I wasn't. Okay. No, I wasn't. When you stop to think about what Max Scherzer went through in terms of the finger in the in the beginning mm-hmm. of the year, and then the hamstring late in the year, and still having the kind of season that he had, uh, and and you know what? To be honest with you, Clayton Kershaw is probably the best pitcher out there. But in, in terms of what he meant for his team, in terms of you know how he's pitched for, and there's a little bit of a track record there. This is the third Cy Young for for Scherzer, for Scherzer now, and yeah. the second in a row. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, you could have made easily a case for Steven Strasburg, especially 36 scoreless innings in mm-hmm. a row uh, after the All Star break, a .88 ERA. Uh, you could have easily made, and he finished a distant third. All right. For me, Kershaw was the, the obvious answer to me. You, you talk about the Scherzer injuries. Kershaw had that back problem. That, I understand. That caused him to miss about seven or eight weeks. Yep. And that, to me, that to me just kind of puts Max over the top of him. Yeah. I was looking at the NL MVP, and that was quite a narrow battle. I, I sometimes forget to realize how good Joey Votto really yeah. is. Like, he's insanely good. And that's when you're talking about the analytic guys, when you're thinking about home runs, RBIs, you know, OPS, all those things, you could certainly make a case for Joey Votto. There's no question and, and, about it. You could make a case for It's just for the him. fact yeah, that he plays for Cincinnati. You know, that's yeah. the other part of it. Well, and the, the other guy, the the other guy winds up hitting 59 home runs. Yeah, I, I have no problem I have with no the problem guy with 59 home runs yeah. being MVP. No, and, and the RBIs and, and things of that nature. I was just glad Altuve won it over a trout. Over, yeah. Uh, no, over well, no. trout. Or, or, or a judge. Well, judge. I, but but I mean, there was talk, there was talk in, in August that I read that mm-hmm. people even, still he, thought. He wasn't even one of the three okay, finalists. Well, I'm glad he wasn't. Yeah, I he wasn't even one of the three finalists. He yeah. missed, what, just a, a, bun, a good yeah. chunk of the season. Yeah. 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 I thought Altuve, though. Altuve, was, oh, yeah. four straight 200-hit seasons, a couple of batting titles. Yeah. Uh, he, he is the straw that stirs that drink in Houston. There's no question about it. Uh, not just with his bat, but with his uh, defense at second base. Uh, I, I thought he was the MVP, and and he was a runaway winner of the MVP. Real quick, uh, give us a quick status report on the Terps football team, the Caps, and the Wizards. Wizards laid an egg last night right. oh uh, against the Heat, coming back off a nine-point win in Miami. Uh, they, they were down by 25 in the first half. They were down by 21 at halftime. They cut the lead to one and then, in the fourth quarter. Beal probably should have taken a three. Instead, he drove, uh, pulled up from 15, and missed a shot that would have tied the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe to get the game in overtime. And he was wide open and he was from wide, three. Yeah, from yeah, they're, three, yeah. They're kind of wildly inconsistent. A so little bit, yeah, but they did win four in a row before right, that loss right. last night. So, I mean, it all starts good. With, it, it all starts with defense, and their defense wasn't that bad last night, except in the first half, and and, and that to me was a little bit of an admiration. What about the Caps? Caps are struggling. They've lost two straight on the road. Uh, got beat in Nashville. Got beat in Colorado against the Avalanche. Come home tonight to play uh, the Wild and their old coach Bruce Boudreau back in town. Ah, right. Bruce. <laughs> and how about the Terps football team? Do they have any shot today at Michigan State? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and uh, you know, although Michigan State winds up beating Penn State at home and then turns around and just gets blasted 
by Ohio State, who took you know mm-hmm. Penn State right down the wire. And Maryland men's basketball played gonna a very a impressive. Fun, they're they're going to be team. a fun team this yeah. year. Yep. Marcel and, 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 and Fernando. And this team, are really... this team has a chance, really, to do some good things. Yeah. They they are much more athletic inside. Guys who are big can pound the glass, can get open, and they can also uh, they handle the ball. Something we haven't seen inside from them for a couple of years. I know this is a baseball show, but high school basketball is just starting. I urge folks to take take Google. Mount St. Joe's and get out to see the star of next year's team, Jalen Smith, who plays for Pat Clatchy over there at Mount St. Joe's. And, and I will say this. You were asking me if I had any conflicts today. 12 noon coming up. Uh, Georgetown. Yeah, Georgetown and UMES at Capital One. Georgetown off to uh, you know pretty good start. Yeah. With Patrick Ewing. With Patrick Ewing. Good. So, But, again, they haven't played anybody, so – you were talking about defense uh, a couple of games ago. Uh, the Rockets played the Suns, and the Rockets scored 90 points in the first half alone. Yeah, it was unbelievable. That's yeah, the Suns. Yeah, and Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra told me. I said, "What's the what's the toughest thing when you have a 25 point lead?" A lot of people say the team that's down 25, they expend so much energy mm-hmm. coming back right. that they don't really have enough. To get over the hump. And you can make that case for the Wizards last night. I said, what's the difference between that and when you have a 25-point lead, what's the biggest challenge in terms Keep of your team. keeping it? Yeah. And he goes, you know, there really isn't necessarily a challenge except believe in what you're doing. He says, because this year in the NBA, it's so fluent. He says, we've seen so many big leads disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, and All right. it's, it could be that kind of year. Quick reminder, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I think they're taking Thursday and Friday off. We're having a best-of show next Saturday. Uh, Great interviews. Bonza will be here live. And Sunday, uh, you won't miss a beat either tomorrow or next Sunday with the Fantasy and Reality Football Show or... Uh, Project Game Day with Glenn Clark and Sarita Hubbard. I'm making all of my all of my point spread bets through what I hear Sarita say. Okay, good. So, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, Judge Moore. <laughs> all right, we'll uh, we'll take uh, we'll bid you adieu now and have a great week ahead. All right, everybody.